Good morning. My name is Dee. Dee Kelly, and it is a joy to be with you. I um, am one of the sinners on staff here at the church, and um, am grateful that God's grace pours over me, and I try to live into that grace that God has provided, and I pray that we as a church do the same. It is um, uh, just a delight to be able to help us dig in in a few moments into the passage of Scripture that was just read, Isaiah chapter 65. We spent some time in some of the Old Testament prophets, um, and we're going to stay there uh, through the remainder of this month, and this uh, particular week is in Isaiah. So we want to encourage you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible but would like a Bible, just raise your hand, and uh, some of our ushers who have Bibles will provide them for you if you need it. I'd like to start off, though, with um, acknowledging a wonderful story in the midst of our church, really in the midst of our community, and then invite us to prayer. Um, There are a number of things for which we might want to pray this morning. Uh, I know that, uh, and he's probably just one of several here that might um, ask for prayer concerning um, his physical journey, but Garrett's not been feeling it well at all the last 24 hours, and yet he's up here leading us in worship. So we'll lift him up in prayer this morning. There may be others who are um, not doing well. We're going to have a time of prayer for that. Um, But I also want to pray for some of the things that happen in our community. Some of what we're talking about this morning has to do with this weekend being our service project weekend. And I think that um, there is the hope that we have the opportunity to be Christ's hands and feet and words and voice to other people to actually help some others in our community. I I want you to know that there are many ways in which we are blessed by other body of believers in our neighborhood. We We don't gather alone this morning. There are fellowships all over this point, all over the city that are gathering as well. We are serving together. We are trying to grow together and make a difference in our communities. One of the great stories uh, for me that I only became aware of a short time ago, even though it's been going on for several months, Um, and she's not here in the second service, but she was here in the first service. Um, There's a wonderful uh, neighbor of ours, Betty Berg, who... If you were to just walk straight this direction, about 30 feet, you would walk into her backyard. Betty, one particular Sunday morning, um, decided that she wanted to attend church. So she walked through her back fence, through our parking lot, and came to the back door of the Ellipse Chapel that meets in that first service. There she was greeted by somebody who very specifically said, good morning, you're sitting with me this morning. And they proceeded to sit together through two services and became best friends. Marge has since passed away. Betty continued to attend our church. She's become a great friend of mine. Because of her age and some of her um, ailments, uh, about um, three months ago, four months ago, ah, I think it's been longer than that. I think it was uh, at the end of the winter season this uh, last year. She felt like she needed to move closer to her daughter, so she moved up to a place in Rancho Bernardo. Lisa, Lisa Kanoha, is a lady in our community who attends the Rock Church. Through the Rock Church, they have a program where they try and link up members of their church with senior adults who are in need. And I'm not exactly sure how Betty Berg came on her radar screen 
but she introduced herself to Betty Berg by going up to Rancho Bernardo and saying hi. I think it was preceded by a phone call. And every Sunday morning, Lisa drives up to Rancho Bernardo, picks up Betty, and brings her back down here for our 9 o'clock service. Yeah, oh, amazing. She is Christ to us. Every Sunday morning, I look to get to look out, and in the same spot where Betty has always been, to my left, four rows back, Betty sits right on the aisle. Lisa sits right beside her. I don't know how many services she attends in a week, but she attends ours, and I know she's still a vital member of the Rock Church. We're in this journey together. And so when we talk about trying to be the body of Christ to others, please know that there are others who are being Christ to us. And I'm so delighted for somebody like Lisa who takes that upon herself. I also use that as a reminder, we do this periodically, that we pray for our fellow churches that are nearby, wonderful churches in this community. Some of you have attended some of those churches. We lift one another up. So we're going to pray in just a few moments. My hope is that if you have a particular need, lift it up to God in prayer. God's not confused by 250 prayers going up at once. Lift up your prayer. I hope that as well, you might allow a particular church to come to your mind. Maybe it's a church you grew up in. Maybe it's a church you visited. Maybe it's a church you used to attend before you came here. That God's Spirit would have freedom to work in that church. That we collectively, as the body of Christ, might make a difference in our community. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for great reminders like Lisa that bring to our attention what it means to graciously, kindly allow your kingdom to flow through us. Thank you for a thousand different ways in which this church has been blessed by other churches in this city. through prayer, through resources, through collaborative efforts, through encouragement. We are indebted. This morning we pray for brothers and sisters across the city who are gathering. Some have already met. Some are meeting right now, digging into your word, praying together, exalting your name, trying to learn what it means to be a better disciple, a better reflection of you. Bless those services. And Lord, if there can be opportunities where we might be your blessing to someone else, I pray you help us to know how to do that. Help us to think outside of ourselves. Help us to think past our own needs. Help us to see past hurdles, the obstacles, the pain, the issues that we have. Help us to see through those things and somehow experience the joy that comes in supporting one another, encouraging one another, and extending your love wherever you might send us. 
Lord, I pray as well, very specifically for Garrett and for dozens of others in this congregation who are asking for your touch. Lord, we pray that you hear our prayers. This morning we are yours. Teach us in your word. Amen. As I said a few moments ago, we've been looking into Scripture in the Old Testament. One of the beautiful pieces of understanding some of the historical nature of this is that we realize that there's a real practicality to the Word. It's written into a particular place and time for the needs of the people and yet so inspired by the Holy Spirit that it provides for us a wonderful way by which we apply the Scripture to our life and our circumstances now. But sometimes it's wonderfully reassuring to me that this wasn't written in a vacuum. That though some of it feels rather mystic in nature, and I guess there is a bit of that um, spiritual otherworldliness that sometimes comes through, there is within Scripture a context that was addressing a need and an issue of the time and leads me to say, thank you, God, for knowing my circumstances and my needs and speaking into my life right now. So we've looked a little bit at the history. We've got the children of Israel that divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was overrun. The southern kingdom held out for a little bit longer. But eventually the southern kingdom, including Jerusalem, was taken over by the Babylonians somewhere around 600 B.C. Many of the people were taken off into captivity. Not all of them, but many of them were taken off into captivity. And that captivity went on for somewhere in the neighborhood of 70, 75 years until the Persians, having come into power in the Middle East with really very little, very few battles, very few conflicts, they came into power, and King Cyrus issued this decree that the people who had been displaced could return to their native land. It didn't happen like you might think. You might expect there to be this, this huge flood of people that returned. But there weren't. There were a few waves that went, but it was very difficult. The land was in ruins, the city was for the most part destroyed, and the temple was trashed. What they came back to, those who returned, were many who had never left, and a land that was in great disarray. Into that context, the prophet Isaiah speaks. One of the ways by which I want to get into what he says to the people of Israel is to talk about what happened this weekend. This weekend was a service project weekend for our church. Um, had a wonderful service on Friday night. For those of you there, I think there was almost 100 people there on Friday night. A great meal that we shared in. It was a kickoff for what happened yesterday and continues today. We talked about what uh, the early church, what the body of believers was known for. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. To me, this weekend embodied so many of those things in terms of fellowship and breaking of bread and praying together and 
than engaging and doing something for the kingdom of God. So it's been a wonderful weekend, and it continues through to tonight for those that would like to join us down in Ocean Beach at Peace River Church. Bruce is going to lead us in a service, and we're going to share some more. And um, that gathering begins at 5 o'clock, and uh, they're providing some food. So if there are a lot of us, we're just going to expect the biting of the loaves and fishes so that it just multiplies. So if you want to come and watch that happen, please do that. That's tonight. Um, and for those of you who don't know where that's at, right down on Sunset Cliffs, the Point Loma United Methodist Church. That's where we, uh, the group meets on Sunday night, so please feel free to come and join us. But we engage in a number of service projects, and I would like to introduce you to some of those service projects, some of the individuals that participated, and then allow that to take us back into this passage of Scripture. So let's look at a couple of these pictures that will show some of the various places we went, including Mid-City. chairs was all I had to do. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. that area.
Thanks to all of those who worked. I'm going to ask those who were um, part of this that I'm going to talk to today, just come right up on the platform with me. Fantastic. So glad that you are up here. Um, these are just a few of many of you out there that participated, but we want to talk a little bit about some of the things that took place and some of the things that we learn and how we grow and how God helps us in the midst of this. So I don't know if you want to pass the microphone around or if you want to step um, just up to the mic, but Dean, start us off. Um, fill us in a little bit. Um, as I recall, you were working um, at least part of the service project was with Jeff Allen. So anything you want to say about Jeff Allen? Nice job. Did you just do that, Jeff? Turned off the microphone. Smart move. No. Let me shift. Can we do this one? Is that okay? There we go. Yeah, Jeff and I were cleaning windows all day uh, yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, we can't see the the work that we did. But if you go into the ellipse or the or the youth room, I hope you appreciate uh, the hundreds of windows that are clean now. <laughs> Nice, and nice protection of Jeff. There are so many other things that could have been said, and I just appreciate that. Um, you, among other things, uh, you and your wife hosted, didn't you? Yeah, we hosted uh, Tay and Adam from the youth group. Fantastic. So um, tell us a little bit about that. What's that involve, and what was that like? Uh, well, we had them over on Friday and Saturday night, uh, provided breakfast in the mornings, uh, I forced them to play board games with us. Oh, nice. And uh, Adam, Adam was a good sport. Uh, he humored me in that. And, yeah, it was just a good time to get to know them. Uh, it's hard to get to know everyone in this church at an intimate level like that, so it was a good opportunity to do that. Had you ever met either of the two of them before? Had never. We sit on that side, and they sit on this side, so it's hard to, hard to get to know. Yeah, just kind of wave during the meet-and-greet time, if even that. Fantastic. Um, and tell us a little bit if you wouldn't mind, about why you participated. What does a day like this mean, or a weekend like this mean to you? How does it play into your concept of the church or spiritual journey? Anything about that? Uh, yeah, just, it was a good way to live communally as a church, just another way to do that, and uh, a real practical way to be Christ to others, uh, like you mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a good reminder to live uh, live like that on a daily basis as well, not just one one day of the year. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks. Tayshawn, you stayed in his house. Yeah. <laughs> he was kind toward Jeff. Anything you have to say about uh, Dean? <laughs> You're awesome. No, but I, I really, I loved um, staying with them. They were awesome. They opened, they opened up their, um, their home to us, and it was definitely, it was really nice. really is something when somebody creates space for you when they very intentionally say, here's space, come on in and join us. That's a, that's a real gift, a real gift. What was it you participated in on Saturday, yesterday? Um, we did, is it the Holy Trinity? The Holy Trinity um, breakfast, yeah. and then we did the All Souls Guardian. Fantastic, nice. Did you just till the soil, or did you actually do some planting? No, um, the picture that you actually saw, uh, that was the area that, one of the areas that we worked on, uh, where we kind of, we pulled up the clovers and then um, planted. 
So it's really cool. Did you, and uh, I remember from like a year and a half ago, we had this great conversation about uh, planting tomato plants and uh, having fun with those. No chance that you got to do any tomato plants, right? No. Okay, we'll save that for just the two of us. Our little special thing going. Um, fill me in on why do you do this? Um, well, I, I enjoy doing service with others. I feel like, I mean, it's super fun. You get a chance to meet people and then help other people as well. So by the end of it, you everyone's happy. Makes a difference not only in their life, but your life as well. Yes. Fantastic. Judy, how are you? Yes, good. Um, you did this last year, yeah? Yes. Why did you repeat? Why did you come back and decide I'm going to do this again? Um, last year I had a really good time at my homestay, and I had fun helping out. Nice. Um, is there anything that you feel like one of the things we hope we do is that we are of service to others, but in the process, it seems like God sometimes teaches us. Anything that you learn in this process that becomes meaningful to you? Um, yeah, I learned a lot about how other people live and that not everyone gets basic things mm. like their own room or their own bed. So what was your project yesterday? My project was the refugee Burmese kids tutoring. And you were involved in, in tutoring? Yeah, well, we played with a lot of playing time. Nice. Fantastic. What'd you do a year ago? A year ago? Yeah. Um, we just helped out around OB, different stuff. Fantastic. Would you do it again? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And Matt? Glad you're here. Tell us where you went and what happened. So we went to Ayunime, which is a home and an orphanage for HIV-positive kids in Tijuana. Nice. Um, played with the kids. Uh, how'd you get involved? So there were a couple of groups. Some of us were playing with the kids and the others were planting a garden. Uh, so we tilled up the soil, uh, flattened it all out, got some mulch in there, and then the kids came through and planted some vegetables some flowers and some herbs. Nice. Next year's project is my backyard. The two of you can till soil <laughs> and get things ready. This is fantastic. Um, I'm going to ask a similar kind of question. In the process of doing this, our hope is that we make a difference in our community. And in that process, the Holy Spirit makes a difference in our life. How's God working in you as a result of your participation? Uh, in my own life, I think there's uh, two real uh, direct benefits. One is just obedience. Uh, hmm. I think we're all called to serve. We have an opportunity to serve our neighbors to the south. Uh, and then also to connect with both people that we've known uh, for a long time in the church and some new friends like uh, Ben and Dane over here who are just cool kids. Nice. <laughs> so not only going and meeting new people where the project is, but on the team, the benefit of fellowship and learning Absolutely. who the body of Christ is. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks to all of you. Wonderful, wonderful. So how do we get uh, back into this? I'm going to give a chance for Bridge to go and talk about how we do that. So Bridge, if you want to go at this time, we're going to dig in further into this Isaiah passage and say, is there anything here in Isaiah that helps us to not only stand this, understand this weekend, but how it fits in our spiritual journey in becoming more like Christ? So into this setting of a southern kingdom that gets taken over a generation passes they're given the privilege of coming back we looked at the writings of Habakkuk that probably took place right at the time that King Cyrus was given the opportunity for the people to return 
last week we talked about Haggai and the people, some of them have returned and having returned, they tried to give attention to some of their own dwellings and where they were living, but the temple was in disarray and Haggai came in and said, let's do something together. Let's work together to try and live into God's promise to us. This writer, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 years later, though it's difficult to tell exactly when it was written, speaks into the life of the people of Israel at a time when nothing had lived up to the promise, at least the way they perceived it, for those who had offered prophetic statements earlier. They are, the journey's been difficult. I mean, there are people who return from captivity to take over their homeland. And in the course of 70 years, someone else has taken up residence. They've been farming their family property. I don't know how you then move in and try and convince somebody to say, well, this really belongs to my family. You see that tree over there? My grandparents carved their initials in it, and it was the corner of the entire area that belongs to us. Oh, really? Where have you been the last 70 years? We've been taking care of the land. It's been passed down in our family. This was not an easy time. And there were not an abundance of resources. King Cyrus had promised that he would send back some of the materials so that they could rebuild, but the resources did not come as expected. And the manpower, the the people involved in this, the human endeavor, they didn't have the same resources or the same skills. Eventually the temple got built, but it was kind of a shadow of what it was before. Rocks stacked upon rocks, but not the kind of skilled craftsmanship that would have been a key mark of what took place before. Isaiah speaks into this. And in the writings of Isaiah, there is this, this expression that the people's actions have resulted in the kinds of consequences that they are experiencing. Their actions are such that they have given themselves to practices of their culture, to worship of Baal, to incorporating the practices of the Babylonian people and turning their backs on what God has called them to do. How do we get into that place? I think many of us, if we're honest, would confess that we move down that pathway not with one great leap in terms of a decision that turns everything upside down, but instead we usually move in that direction by very small decisions. A reaction and response that really wasn't right, but I justify it. I explain it away. I try and paint it in a light that gives me an excuse that says that's okay. That then opens up the door for the next time when I make a decision or move in a particular direction that was no more right than the previous one, but I justify it a little bit more. 
I make room for my human errors, my freedom, my choices, justify myself instead of God, and open up the door a little bit more. Till eventually, over time, a lot of little decisions have led me to a place that I would have never have gone to in one great leap. But that's where I find myself. I think that that's what's happened to the Israelites, God's children. A lot of little choices allowing for this, accepting something that they shouldn't probably have accepted, making decisions that just pushed the gray area more than probably should have been pressed and find themselves in a place that has its own set of consequences. The call from Isaiah is a call to return to God's place of grace and God's call on our life. To step back into a place where we no longer justify ourselves, but honor God. A place where we say, God, woven into your creation are consequences that when I follow, step in line with the way the world is created, with the way you've created me, that I find that the consequences of that are your blessing, your grace, your peace. And so we find Isaiah speaking about a promise of a new Jerusalem, new heaven, a new earth. He talks about a time when, when unnatural deaths will no longer occur and, and people who live to be a hundred will, will be considered in the prime of their life. A time where the sheep or the lamb and the wolf eat together. They don't eat each other where the lion becomes vegan. He eats the same hay as the ox does. It is a time, Isaiah is describing, that is alive, that is filled with God's energy, that is empowered, that is, that is under God's blessing. How does that come about? How does that happen? I think very often we wait for God to intervene and do something amazing. Bring about a transformation of the world in which we live. And there are some who speak about this particular passage in Isaiah as speaking toward a time when there will be a thousand year reign of Christ or where the, the age of the church will come into being or at the end of a kind of a cataclysmic battle then some dramatic change will take place. And that may be true. There are others who see this passage as simply pointing toward what happened in leaving Babylon and what needed to take place, or speaking about Hezekiah and what happened in history under Hezekiah's rule. There are a variety of ways or a variety of applications that could play themselves out in this particular passage. But here's what I would like you to at least think about 
this morning and this week. Instead of waiting for something else to take place, if God's kingdom is to come, it first comes in you and in me. If transformation is going to happen, it first happens because I give myself to Christ. And I've got to confess, there's a sheep inside of me and there's a wolf inside of me. There's a lion inside of me and there's an ox inside of me. Is it possible that God could bring peace so that the sheep and the wolf eat together, don't eat each other or anyone else? So that the lion and the ox eat the hay together, not each other? What would have happened if peace started coming into my life? Because there are times when the wolf is ready to jump out and just devour. There are times when the sheep takes hold and I retreat, sometimes more than I should retreat. Sometimes when the lion just steps forth and creates chaos where there used to be order. Sometimes like the ox where I just trample over things. Is it possible that the kingdom could come inside of me? And that when that happens, my life begins to change. My home begins to change. When my home begins to change, maybe my neighborhood begins to change. When my neighborhood begins to change, maybe my city begins to change. When my city begins to change, maybe my culture begins to change. Maybe the kingdom of heaven begins to come. But I don't know that that can happen or at least that I will see it until I see or allow God to work in my own life. This weekend, there was a call to service. In this church, we talk about being balanced in our spiritual life. Service projects call us to give ourselves in the marketplace, in the world in which we live, to others. But we also know that it's very easy to be out of balance. If all we do is engage in service and we give no attention to our one-on-one journey with Christ or our interaction with the body of believers, then that engagement in the marketplace becomes a social gospel without the gospel. It has the potential to lead to burnout, to spiritual exhaustion. It becomes disconnected from the truth and the values that underlie what we're doing it sometimes leads to significant misunderstanding. Becomes disconnected from a value system. Flip side of that is, if we just stay connected to the body of believers or engage in our one-on-one relationship with God, give no attention to the world around us, there's no fruit. We stay stuck in a sea of ideas And no change happens. The kingdom of God doesn't work through us and among us. It becomes stifled and stuck. Our prejudices get fed. Discrimination occurs. 
making judgments about others happens over and over again. But if we try and live in this amazing place where our one-on-one relationship with God, the Spirit begins to change us and move us, and we begin to get in touch with God's character, we open up the strongholds of our life and say, God, move in this darkness and bring light to my life. Help inwardly the wolf and the sheep to find a balance where peace reigns, where all of the great characteristics of the wolf inside of me get used to honor you, where when I ought to retreat, I retreat. I don't get caught up in the pack mentality and the group think that destroys others. But I find myself in this wonderful place of peace. Where I don't just go around roaring and create a mess, but I think and I listen before I engage. God, help your kingdom to come into my life. And then I engage in the body of believers and I learn from you. And I listen to the testimonies that are up here and how God's teaching you. And I watch the work that you do. I see the leases of the world and giving herself in unselfish ways and see how Dean opens up his home and hospitality and creates space for others. I learn from how God's teaching you in the Word and how you're growing. You sharpen me. I hope that in some way I sharpen you. We find ourselves as the body of believers growing in our faith. And then we engage in the world in which we live. Allowing the world to teach us as we give ourselves to the kingdom of God and hopefully allow Christ to flow through us in making a difference. This is the call for those who are disciples of Jesus Christ. It is a call to participate in kingdom work. A call to pray. A call to love. A call to fellowship with one another. A call to break bread. A call to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ and allow what has been stamped on you as the image of God to come forth as the kingdom of God. And then the great promise. You will see a new way to look at the world as we anticipate Christ's return and a new order. You will see in your life a new Jerusalem as we wait in anticipation for Christ to bring about a complete renewal of a new Jerusalem. You will see in your life a vitality, an energy, a hope, and a joy as we anticipate the fulfillment of all joy with Christ's return. But I'm convinced it begins with opening up ourselves and saying, God, please let your kingdom come in me so that it might flow through me. Let's pray together and then we will continue in praise. Father, this morning, really is easy to see the ways in which I have and maybe some of the rest of us have made little decisions that have moved us away from you, that have led to chaos or problems, issues, disobedience, 
Certainly, Lord, there are decisions of others and life circumstances that have affected us. But this morning, Lord, we confess. And we ask once again for forgiveness and grace. God's calling you this morning to confess in any other in any area of your life. Don't leave this service this morning without being honest about those things. The Spirit invites you this morning, invites you to open up your heart in a fresh new way. Listen to that Spirit's guidance. you long for vitality, for freshness, for joy, even in the midst of painful and difficult circumstances, ask in prayer for that this morning. Let that be your heart's prayer. Father, it's difficult to pray for the war outside of us if we've not yet addressed the war that's inside of us. Will you bring about peace, reconciliation? May your grace pour into places in our life where we never thought grace could go. We give ourselves to you this morning. Teach us, Lord, to be your disciples, your servants your reflection. Thank you, Lord.